Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon, and I am your host. Today, we welcome Sue Dixon from Kloss Tire and Auto and Jack Wilson from Lake County Tech Campus. How are you guys doing today? Great. Great, thanks. Good. So we'll uh, we'll get into the, the discussion and the topic of, of uh, what we're really here for today. Uh, but I want to start with your backgrounds and, and really what you're doing on a daily basis right now. Sue, we'll start with you. What is uh, what is your role at Class Tire and Auto? I, I am the owner and operator of Class Tire and Auto. My dad started the business back in 1980. Um, I started working back office for him in about 84. Um, I took over the operations in about 2014. At that time, I saw a need um, to network and to um, do some stuff over at the tech campus. And uh, that's where I, uh, I met Jack. And that's a great segue. You're, you're really good at that, Sue. That worked out really, really well. You just uh, segue right over to Jack. So uh, Jack, tell us a little bit about <clears throat> what you've got going on at tech campus, what, uh, what you do, and maybe how you got there. Uh, well, Tech Campus is a career technical education center. So we're a CTE campus uh, for high school. We're not college. We're oftentimes com- uh, confused with the community college because we are on the same campus as them. But we are high school. Uh, so students can opt to take uh, one of 20 different courses. Um, they are bused from their home school for two hours a day. So we teach three two-hour blocks. Uh, we have everything from automotive service to culinary arts to cosmetology to uh, criminal justice and so on and so forth. Uh, so we are the old, what would be the vocational ed or voc ed building, uh, which is now CTE. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of us that exist in the state of Illinois. There's some, but not a lot. Uh, this building was built in 1977. And we serve 22 different high school districts in, in, in Lake County and a couple in uh, McHenry County. Um, so I've been here for over 15 years since 2006. Uh, I'm actually alumni of the school. So I was a student here uh, 1996 to 1998. I still work with a couple of my uh, teachers that were teachers. Me, they're now colleagues of mine. Um, so this school is really a transitional school to get the kids some hands-on technical training uh, while they're in high school and to try to segue guide them into a career path. Um, you know, whether it be uh, graduation, they start entry-level career, uh, whether they continue on to, uh, you know, two-year college, community college, um, technical school, four-year university, just kind of depends on what what their path is, what their choices, uh, you know, what their liking is. Um, so in our program, uh, we have, we're actually, uh, it's a two-year program. We have auto one and auto two. I'm the, I'm the auto two instructor. Uh, so we are ASC NATEF certified, which is also a rarity for high school programs to have that yeah. ASC NATEF badge uh, in what we call GST or general service technician. Um, we uh, encompass, try to encompass all eight areas of automotive training, some you know, more heavy than others. We're also a dual credit program with the College of Lake County. 
Uh, so uh, in, in Auto One, uh, the students will go through uh, what we call Introduction to Automotive, which is basically power mechanics. You know, using uh, equipment, equipment use, uh, heavy equipment in the shop, uh, hand tools, uh, training of different types of measuring tools and devices. Um, and then the second half year of their training uh, covers uh, tires, brakes, uh, steering, and suspension. Uh, we have, and then our, our year two program, uh, the students have to complete year one to go into year two. Um, and then year two gets into engine repair and engine rebuilding, uh, electrical systems, electronic systems, uh, scan tool technology, computer technology, engine performance. Um, and we do a little bit of heating, air conditioning, a little bit of automatic and manual transmission. So we try to touch all the bases, uh, but our, our core focus is to set students up uh, where they really have those uh, career readiness skills to get them into uh, a job walking out of school. Because not every student is gonna go to college or training, at least immediately. Uh, you know, some students are gonna go out and they're gonna work for a while, uh, and then they're gonna figure out that, you know, if they wanna really become a technician, of course they need that additional training. Uh, and part of that is where Sue comes in now. Every CTE school, anyone that, any, any program that teaches CTE has to have what's called a business industry panel. And your business industry panel uh, consists of those businesses uh, in your county or in your neighboring area that help support the program. They support the program by help guiding you in the areas uh, that technicians need as we're training. So we're the ones doing the training, but we're not out in industry anymore. We're kind of uh, trapped behind these four walls, not trapped, but by choice. Uh, sometimes they feel enclosing, but anyway, you know, the purpose of, of businesses like Sue is to come in and give us that wealth and knowledge about what are the needs in industry, what needs uh, are need to be met by the students that are being trained. Uh, so we host uh, two to three business and industry meetings per year. Uh, Sue joined our business and industry panel about four years ago. It was our fourth year running with her. Um, and, you know, after the recession and things like that, we were kind of going through some hard times, didn't have a lot of participation. Uh, if you're in the industry, uh, you know, talking about career tech ed and, and this transitional training to, for career readiness skills, you may have heard of something called the AS program. And the AS program was uh, actually dealership run, or it was dealership backed. So you had a lot of the big hitters like General Motors and a lot of the General Motors companies, Toyota was in there. I mean, you have a sign that had all sorts of different ones. Uh, and the idea was, is to have these partnerships uh, and, and create a career path, right, for training into the dealership. Um, but with the recession, that AES fell apart. It does still exist. AES was actually absorbed by ASC NATEF. So there is a division within there called AES. I'm not really too sure uh, what they have going on, but I know that we have a very difficult time getting partnerships with our local dealerships. Uh, one of the biggest... Uh, challenges that we have is getting people to see the vision. So in other words, uh, you have to put in some effort today to get results tomorrow or next year or three years from now or five years from now. Uh, getting a lot of dealerships um, and the manufacturers on board to look at a five-year prospectus is very difficult uh, because a lot of people and businesses are just looking to say, well, I need somebody today. Okay, well, yeah, we all need somebody today. But if we're not preparing our future workforce and kind of getting ahead of it, ahead of what today's needs are, uh, then it's just you're just uh, dealing with this constant battle, this constant struggle. 
Um, our school has always done internships. It's been part of what it's part of CTE. Uh, what we haven't had is really a clear path, um, really a, a, a very set um, plan for the students to take year one, year two, et cetera. And that kind of leads us into what Sue and I have been working on for the past few years. That, that's interesting. And I think before we, we dive into that part and the relationship between the two of you, Jekka, what was your, what was your kind of uh, professional upbringing, if you will, in, in terms of what, what got you into uh, being passionate about the industry and, and uh, passionate about education on the automotive side? What was uh, what was it that kind of led you to, to where you're at today? Well, it, it was it was family. It's kind of in my blood. Uh, my dad just retired at, a couple of years ago after 40 years for the village of Wheeling. He was a fleet tech or a, a fleet service uh, technician. Uh, worked on the squad cars and the fire engines and ambulances and things like that. So I grew up following my dad around. Um, and you know, it, it, once it's in your blood, it's just in your blood. You can't get away from it. <laughs> Uh, so after I graduated here, I didn't go directly into school. And I tell my students this all the time. You know, I am not here to tell anyone that they have to go to college or they have to do things a certain way. Uh, but what they do need to do is make a choice, right? Make a choice, have a plan, have a path and figure it out. And if, if nothing else, uh, move forward. We have this sign in the shop uh, and it says, uh, make a decision right or wrong because the road of life is uh, covered in flattened squirrels that couldn't decide which way to go. Uh, but it's something that we really, we really live by because make a decision, make a choice and run with it, you know, and if you make a mistake, you know, it's okay, you'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what we are trying to do here is to try to lead students to make choices and, and lay out the choices for them. So getting back to uh, my background, I went out and I worked for Ford for about eight years, uh, different dealerships and so on, but I was just never quite completed uh, I, I like the deal. There's parts of the dealership like life I liked. There's parts of it uh, I didn't like, uh, just like anything else. Uh, I had an opportunity. A good friend of mine uh, was within the uh, administration here and called me up and said, you know, you'd be a great fit here. I didn't have uh, the, the teaching education at the time. I just had my technical education. And, and that is kind of a, a loophole, if you will, uh, when it comes to career and technical education teachers. It's difficult to find a, a teacher with a four-year degree that also is a technician or as a welder. Um, so they allow for what we call a provisional license for people to come out of industry and start teaching. Uh, after my, so I was 26 when I started. Um, and uh, it was nerve wracking. But, uh, you know, uh, after the first, uh, you know, year, uh, I was I was hooked. And I decided that uh, not only did I want to continue this, but I really felt a strong desire that if I'm gonna stand up here and promote education to my students, I need to have the education. Uh, so I went back and, and went to classes at nights and weekends and things like that and uh, got my, my bachelor's degree from uh, Southern, Illinois, Southern Illinois University in uh, workforce development education, um, which you know is a big piece of the puzzle for me to work with Sue and these other businesses to really put some of these uh, larger programs together. And that's really where I see, you know, that education path for me kind of completing that because I don't think I could have done it without it. That is really interesting. And I, it's, I think one funny part is all of us on this call had family involved with this prior to, you know, prior to doing what we do now. 
Um, I, I see that a lot in our industry. And I, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about the, the bad and the negative of our industry, but that's, that's one thing that's really cool is you see a lot of second, third, fourth generation folks in this business. And I don't think that's by mistake. I think we take a lot of pride in it and we really want to see the industry do well. And, and that kind of brings me to the relationship that the two of you have and something that Sue, when, when we first spoke, you, you took a lot of pride in it. I could tell that you took a lot of pride in it, but talk to me a little bit about some of the initiatives that you have or the reason why kind of building that relationship with, with Jack was, was so important to you. Well, I came from a background of, you know, my dad was in the business. He was a service trainer for Uniroyal. So he actually went to the retail stores and trained the people to, you know, operate the, the Uniroyal retail stores. Um, I look back at a lot of different things. I like to give back to industry. Um, I saw a huge need um, when I met Jack at first uh, at an advisory meeting um, walked in and you had culinary that had a lot of people, a lot of support. You had all the different professions. And, and I walked up to the uh, automotive table and there was really nobody there. Um, it was really kind of sad because, I mean, that's where our industry is. We don't have anybody that's willing to take the risk or the time to spend with a program like uh, a tech campus because they don't see any dollars coming out of it. Um, I think um, when I looked at it, I was like, you know what, I can help you out with this. And we started talking about an internship program. And uh, he told me he had gone into the Libertyville area to uh, talk to the dealers and they tried to get something going. And that didn't really work out because there was really no structure there. Um, the kids were really not working on the cars. They were ending up being porters and cleaning things. And um, so there was really no benefit to the student. Um, and that's when I went to my independent group uh, of uh, shop owners. We initiated this on our own. One of the owners of one of the shops said, hey, you know, what I want to do is I want to get a group of like 10 or 15 of us to get together once a month. And let's just talk about the different things that we, you know, problems that we have, um, things that we deal on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's hiring, uniforms, all this stuff on, on just regular operational um, costs and stuff. Let's sit around and talk about that. So we got together on our own and we now um, have been together for almost little over four years, um, we get together every month. And one month we will be at a local restaurant. And then the following month, we will go to one of our neighboring shops and we will actually critique each other as to what we see is right or wrong in the shop. So um, we've taken our group to a different level. Um, and with that, um, I brought this idea of an internship program to these 10 shops they were all on board and that that's how we kind of married this program uh, with Jack. That's the, the beginning. So I don't know how, one, I, I applaud you for that part, right? Of taking the initiative to think outside of just your shop as well. Like, I think that's a big piece of it is we, we get buried as business owners in the day-to-day -day 
operation of our business. And, and there's not a lot of people out there, I don't think, and I think, I shouldn't say that. It, there's unique people that are, are kind of community builders, right? And Sue's one of those people that helps bring people together to try and you know fix something. I think there's so much value in that. And, and Jack, I, I guess I'll kind of go to you then as far as when you see Sue kind of put this group together and want to start working with you, where does it go from there? I mean, you, you start to see kind of that, maybe that, that evolution of a relationship happening there. Uh, but is it something that happens instantaneously? Is it just like, hey, we're going to start talking about it? Well, I mean, we started off by uh, after our initial um, meeting when we first met, uh, we were invited to join one of their networking group meetings, uh, the once the monthly meeting, and myself and a colleague went and presented, just gave them an idea of here's what we are. This is what we do. These are the students that come through, and this is the vision that we're looking for. Um, you know, and part of it is, and I'll be honest, I, I've been to so many of these, and Sue made mention of that. I had been to one, a dealership networking group, uh, and I, you know, we had a new administrator up front, and she came running to me all excited saying, oh my God, you know, the whole Libertyville area wants to create this pipeline. This is what we, you've been waiting for. And I just kind of sat there, and she goes, you don't look excited. And I said, mm-hmm, let's go. I said, and let's see how it goes. And I said, and then we'll see how excited we are. And, and I will not say that I went with a poor attitude, but I just said, hang on, these are dealership principles. I've worked at multiples of these. One of them I know because I used to work for them. I said, I'm just gonna tell you that just hang on to that grandiose idea of what you think is gonna happen and let's just see at the end. And, and at the end of the day, uh, you know what came from the meeting was a couple of leads and a couple of emails that basically said, hey, I heard you have a, a, a network of free labor. How do we get in on this? And I said, there it is. That, that right there is the problem, right? It's not about training. It's not about growing these young individuals into technicians. It's about, oh, I can grab onto this. This is free. I'll put them over there and I will utilize this person. No, it's going to cost you up front. And not, you know, the fact that you're going to pair this person, this, this student should be paired with a technician. This student should be grown, not say at times, once you feel them out and you start to see what their abilities and skills are, you can start letting the leash out a little bit and let them start getting their hands in there. But at the same time, this should be guided practice. This should be an edu- part of the educational process, not free labor. Uh, so of course, afterwards, and we started seeing a couple of the emails come through, she hung her head down low and she goes, okay, you were right. Uh, but actually it was that, um, that fall that I met Sue uh, and we really realized that from meeting Sue, I realized that we were really barking up the wrong tree. Uh, the problem is at the dealership level, and I've dealt with this time and time and time again, uh, you could find a service manager or a parts manager or a service director that would buy into what you were doing and they thought it was important. Problem is six months later, a year later, 18 months later, that person doesn't work there anymore. And you're starting completely over. So every time you're reinventing the wheel, reinventing the wheel, reinventing the wheel. And quite frankly, it's absolutely exhausting. And you feel like you're just spinning your tires. Um, so when we when we met with when we met Sue, of course, it's kind of one of those things, okay, let's go, let's present what we have and let's kind of see, you know, part of it is we got to put it out a little bit and see if if they're willing to do kind of 
do their fair share of the work. In other words, not just us lining everything up, sending students out, but are they going to reciprocate by keeping this process going? And that's that's important, right? Uh, each year that we've that we've sent students out, and we have a certain time of year late uh, that we've always done in February because February is a pretty uh, traditionally a slow month. Um, you know, we started off with sending five six kids out. Um, this year we had about ten um, that went out, and they all and, and you know between Sue and myself and her program and my program, uh, we adopted a, a four or five page document which had the guidelines of what the student's doing. When are they going to go? What are they going to do? It's kind of that thing in education, who, what, when, where, why, what are we doing here? Right. And how are we going to accomplish this? Uh, so we've had these wheels, you know, in motion for, this is our fourth year, obviously with COVID, it just completely threw, talk about throwing a stick in the spokes. Um, you know, that was right in the middle of when we had a few really kids, good kids going, but you know, everything shut down and it was really hard to get in touch with students and, and it kind of derailed things. But you know, we're ready to pick things back up and to get moving. Even this year with a uh, hybrid learning, uh, I've had students, quite frankly, that I have never met, but they've been on internship sites. I mean, how awesome, how awesome is that? That, you know, we still made that connection. We made that happen. And that's thanks to Sue and her group. And then, you know, with what and, and the agreements that we have and kind of this whole pathway system that we have going. This is fascinating. I, I think I want to kind of dive into what this internship program is right and and Sue I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it at first here can you give me an idea of what is this like we talk about internship programs and we talk about you know I, I work with a lot of high schools and work with a lot of uh, tech schools post-secondary tech schools and you know I think the the word internship is thrown around a little bit and um it's loosely defined in a lot of ways. You know, I think that's uh, similar to what Jack said, uh, the mentality that maybe it's free or cheap labor uh, as a way to get things done isn't quite the right mindset. And, and I think this is what fascinated me so much about everything that the two of you are doing is that you're taking it a step further, right? It's not just free or cheap labor. It is something where you're trying to, you're trying to create good people that come into our industry and you're doing it in a way that maybe I don't see all over the country, right? Uh, you're, you're, you're going about it differently. Can you give me an idea of kind of what's different about this as compared to maybe what a traditional internship program would be, or um, maybe what, uh, what this internship program looks like in general? Well, for us, when we sat after we talked to Jack and we, um, as the independents, we all sat and talked about this. Remember, we're dealing with kids that are in high school. So what are we gonna do with, if they get hurt? Okay, so the big piece was for the independent, for the shop owner was workman's comp, insurance, that kind of thing. Um, Jack assured us that if they are, if this is part of their learning at school, they're covered under the school's umbrellas insurance. So we have no, problem bringing them into the shop and having them work. Um, so then we tried to really, as a group, talk about when we could do this, because we're all so busy, we have to stop. And, you know, anything that we're going to do when we have these interns in, in our shops is going to slow us down. So um, we made the agreement that we would do this mid-January to February, 
is the, the basically the timeline that these interns can come into our shop and we'll work with them. Um, we also laid out some parameters where we, um, we gave it a total of 10 hours. So the first two hours would be job shadowing and then the last eight hours would be hands-on. And we have, you know, guidelines as to, you know, they're going to wear safety glasses. They're, you know, they're going to be ready to work. Um, we also are grading them. So there's, you know, Jack gives us, uh, you know, what they would be doing in school. Um, when an intern comes into me, I'm giving them specific instructions to do, whether it be breaks with uh, a certified um, tech, um, tires, you know, an oil change and inspection. You know, now that we're, we're getting into different things and in our business and stuff, we're, we're talking about digital inspections. So we're trying to give them things that are relevant and happening in our shops every day. So Jack, how does it work with like how you, how do you know what, who to put where, like how to, how to figure out what intern, because in my experience with schools, they, they talk about how every shop comes to them and they're like, give me your best student. And the, the, the uh, teacher kind of says, well, I, you're the 17th one to call this week and ask for that same thing. So how do you, how, how do you kind of handle that, you know, that initial like pressure of that, that individual and making sure they get put in a spot that's going to be, you know, conducive to them learning? Well, part of it is just geographically, where are the students located? Because I'm not the homeschool. These students are bused here and bused back. So we look geographically, and that's one thing, that's one challenge we're working with is, is all, all the shops that are in the group. You know, we're a large county, so we're trying to, you know, get more shops in where we can create more uh, locations, because I don't want the student driving more than 10 or 15 minutes, because they're going there two hours a day. So they're going there. So I have, I teach three two-hour blocks, um, 8 to 10, 10.30 to 12.30, and 1 to 3. So they're going to go there during their time here. Right. And then that's what Sue was talking about, 10 hours. So we, it lasts about three weeks total because we allow we do uh, uh, twice a week. Um, as far as the vetting process, I, at the beginning of the year, I talk to all my students about this program uh, and make it somewhat of a capstone. Uh, we also do an internal internship program here at the tech campus. Uh, it's been delayed or paused this year because of COVID. But we have a program that we run uh, every month. and It's called Tune Up Tuesday. Uh, Tune Up Tuesday is a program that's available to all the staff members in this building. We have about 70 staff members. Uh, we have a menu set of items, and it's all run by Auto 2 students. Uh, oil change, tire rotate, tire replacement, brake jobs, um, tune-ups, filters, light bulbs, uh, mine, you know, uh, used car inspections. Uh, so we're trying to mirror you know, if, if it's what a student would be handed at an entry-level service facility. So to put out there, first of all, Every single one of my students normally receives 16 internal internship hours their senior year of high school because we're bringing the internship site here. So that's prepping them to then segue outside of our walls because I call these safety walls, right? Uh, because it's okay, not to say it's not okay to make mistakes and make mistakes for human, but it's a little bit different to make mistakes on a customer's car than it is on a school car. Um, so that's also why the internship program where, the, you know, where we send them out is in the spring. It gives me more time to get them prepared, get them ready. 
once we get around uh, winter break time, I start taking names of students that are interested. Um, usually the amount of students that I have that want to go out, we can service within our, within, within our networking group. Um, sometimes I've had shops that end up taking two. So they'll take one. And then once that one's done, they'll take another, um, just kind of depends. Um, you know, if I have a student that's questionable, um, you know, whether it's attendance, whether it's, um, participation, uh, a lot of times I'll sit down and have a hard conversation with the student, say, look, you know, I'm on the fence about this. These are the reasons why. Tell me why I should. Right. Um, and then I'll talk to the intern site and say, you know, and have an agreement with them. And, and the other part about it is there is no promise that they have that they go for all 10 hours. If something happens, if they don't show up, if they're irresponsible on the, on the workplace, um, you know, we'll pull it. Uh, behavior speaking wise, I will not send a behavior student. So if you can't behave in my shop, I'm not sending you out to behave in another shop. I have had a couple of students turn it around because I tell them, you know, these are the behaviors I'm seeing. I'm not telling you no, I'm telling me, you need to start showing me how you would act there. And if you can show me that, then I can place you. So it is that carrot on the stick um, that we can put out there for those students to sometimes put them in line uh, or get them to pull their own weight. Uh, we have other opportunities as well. We have, we have one in the fall. It's called Future Quest. Future Quest is when we bring in the middle school students, so little kids, right, sixth through eighth grade. And we actually run that program with our students. So it's I'm here kind of refereeing what's happening, uh, but we have all of the students come in and change oil and service and do uh, inspections on all of our school cars. And they're working with the younger ones, the sixth, the sixth graders, the seventh graders, the eighth graders. And it's really neat to see them kind of bring out, you know, their teaching style and get them to show off the skills that they've learned uh, to these students. So these are all, you know, kind of pieces of the puzzle to help guide them and, and, and find their path. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really, really good idea. A lot of times, at least from what I recall growing up, you looked up to those people that were in high school when you're in sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, and that was the, the people that uh, if they gave you the time of the day to talk to you, you kind of, you know, it was, it was a big deal for you. So I, I can imagine that has some impact there. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, Jack, about what Sue talked about with the insurance side of it, right? And that's one thing that I hear all the time throughout the entire country is, you know what, I'd bring somebody in under 18. I just, insurance won't let me do it. How did you go about that piece of it? I mean, was that something that was in place prior to you coming to the school or was that, because I don't hear that everywhere, right? I, I don't, uh, and maybe it's because you're a, a, a technical school or a technical high school, but how, how did you go about that? Well, to answer your question, it was in place long before me. Uh, and part of it, it has to do with career technical education. Uh, it has to do with the students having those outside opportunities. And for me, from a non-legal standpoint, it's a simple one page uh, uh, waiver that everyone signs off on. Everyone agrees these are the times. Now, those times have to be agreed upon. Let's say that the student was there under the school's umbrella policy from one to three. If they got hurt at five or six o'clock in the evening, it's not on us, right? Uh, so that's why it is rather important to follow those guidelines, especially when the students are under 18. Um, but yeah, that's something that was put in place long time ago. 
with this building, you know, the ability and the language for, you know, other schools to adopt those kinds of principles is, is totally not my department. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think more than anything, though, is to share with other people that it can be done. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the part that I don't know that everybody understands is that, you know, it's really easy to say, yeah, we can't take anybody under 18 because of our insurance issues or whatever. But I don't think a lot of people have had that conversation with a school or even with their insurance agent about, you know, why, why can't we and what are their, you know, are there options to be able to do that? And as shops, it gets more important for them to grow their own. That's a, that's a really, that's something that you should put a little effort into is understanding why and how. Well, what's interesting about that is how do field trips happen? I mean, you know, schools host field trips all the time. They send them out to uh, view different things or to go to, you know, somewhere on site. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the school sent them there. So God forbid something happens, the school's liable. So I'm not an attorney, but right. <laughs> I think part of it is it's just it's just kind of twisting the kaleidoscope and looking at a little bit of a, of a different view. Yeah. And that's but that's what it, I would try it, to get across. At the too. end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a school sponsored event. That's what it is. And that's that's the big thing that I would ask the listeners to take home is, you know, not that you can take Jack's program and just cookie cutter it over to you. But ask some questions, be engaged with the parties involved with your local school. You know, we talk about it all the time on the Wrenchway side is, you know, that's the communication side. That's the, the relationship side with a school where you can start to talk through some of those issues and figure out solutions to those things. And I applaud your school for, for doing that because I think that's, um, you know, something that I, I don't see a lot, right? And and it's, you know, almost every shop I talk to is, you know, I think they'd love to have somebody under 18 on their staff, but it's really easy to go to the, well, you know what, they said we can't have an under 18 year old because of insurance, so we're just not going to do it. And that's, uh, I think, detrimental to our, our business. And that's, you know, I started in a shop when I was like, 14 years old, right? And I, it, granted, it was my dad's shop, but we had, I had a couple of friends working there that were under 18 too. So somehow, you know, that's been a long time ago now, but there's got to be ways that we can work through this as an industry. And that's one thing that I think is a, a huge deal. Now, Sue, in terms of how, like, I want to kind of look at this through the lens of a, of a shop owner, right? And when you're looking at somebody that's under, you know, if, say in your group of 10, 10 shops that you've put together, if you're looking at it and you, you first go to these, this group and you say, hey, you know what, here's what I'm thinking. We're, we're gonna work on an internship program with Jack and his school. And you start talking to them about, you know, evolving past the mentality that it's free, free or cheap labor, right? And, and really toward edu educating them. How did that conversation go in terms of, like the, the 10 shops that you had, was there anybody that was like, yeah, this seems like a lot of time and not an immediate yes. ROI. Uh, yes. And how did you have those discussions? Um, well, first of all, the biggest discussion was the insurance. Once we got over that, then it was the time frame. Like when should we allow them in where it really wasn't going to be a problem for us. Then when we were able to figure out our dead, our dead zone, basically, um, then it was, um, where do we see 
that in turn after the 10 hours. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to give the school 10 hours. Now the 10 hours is over. Where do we go from there? Well, where we go from there is now we, we see this tech who's got some great hands on them. We've got some potential. We've got a kid who wants to be a mechanic. Okay. Now, now where do we go? So now I go back to Jack and I say, Hey, I really like this kid. He's great. Um, where can we go? He's like, what? Let's extend the internship. So now what happens is this kid is now coming to us every Thursday for two hours. And now we're starting to groom them. So that's the beauty of this because we're, we're growing them from the very you know beginning. Um, it's a wonderful thing when you can see a kid who's excited about working on a car and you're excited to have them in your shop. It just brings a whole different life to your techs, to, to your everyday, just overall being of being in the shop. It's, it's new life. So um, we've had a lot of success with some really, really good kids moving forward into this program where they now are working, actively working and on payroll on some of these shops. So it started off with just an internship and then moved into a paid employee. I wanna jump in there, Sue, on a couple of things. Um, so right now we have five, five of our students that are on extended internships through the remainder of the school year. So, uh, which this year, I think that's our largest because usually we send maybe a dozen, 10 to a dozen through and then we'll have a few that get extended, but we have five right now that have extended through the remainder of the school year, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, there's another piece to this and it has to do with the county. So we partnered with what's called Lake County Workforce. Now we're in Lake County, Illinois. Uh, Lake County Workforce exists as a, uh, it's part of the unemployment agency, but it's also part of a uh, county initiative to retrain individuals in new lines of work. We can get, and we've had, and we have three kids on the docket this year to get it. We can get students paid, paid internship for a thousand hours through the county. So these students that are running through the program right now, once they graduate high school and they're 18, they are now eligible and we have them, their applications are already in with the county. And once they're approved, as far as eligibility is concerned, and once the internship sites are set up, the county will pay, reimburse the shop for up to a thousand hours. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 12, 13 bucks an hour for this intern to come in and work. A thousand hours is six months full-time, or you could say one year, 20 hours a week, part-time work, right? Pay, which is absolutely huge. Um, there are hoops to jump through. It's not the easiest process to do. Sue's done it. She had an, in she had an intern and then after a paid intern, and after his paid internship was up, she hired him. Now, the other sweet part to this is once the kid, once I should say student or the intern, once the intern is qualified through the county, they can also get college at the community college classes paid for. So we have one student specifically that actually just resigned from Sue. He flew the coop. <laughs> he was ready. I told Mama Bear she had to let him go. It was hard. <laughs> was it was hard. But she would, he was with her for two years and he got the thousand hours paid internship. Sue got him 
um, some tools through a grant and uh, some tools that were donated through a retired technician. And uh, he got some of his classes over at the College Lake County paid for through the, all through the county. And it all started with the 10 hour internship. We have three kids on the docket for that this year. Wow. That is, that is so cool. I I mean, that this is, it is so intriguing to me because I think that's where Sue, you're looking outside the box. And, and I think same with you, Jack. And the, the one question I'd have for both of you is, is who has to do the paperwork on this? Is it Sue? Is it Jack? Like how, who, how do you, how do you get the ball rolling in? I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but even for those that maybe we can work with uh, the local workforce um, uh, committee and be able to come up with programs like that and, and share with them that, Hey, you know what, there's, there's these folks in Illinois that are doing it right. They're doing a really, really good job with it. How, how do you initiate or how did you even find this in the first place? Well, we, we got in connection with workforce from, we have, we have a position in our school called the workforce development coordinator. And it is that person's job to tie the industry into our building. So there's Lake County Workforce, there's Lake County Partners, and the person that we had that was initiating this created what was called an ecosystem, okay? And it had the Tech Campus, it had the College of Lake County, it had Lake County Workforce, and it had Lake County Partners. And all of these establishments were working together to create this pipeline from the Tech Campus into CLC and then feeding the county with educated workforce, right? And there are dollars, state dollars and federal dollars out there if you know where to find them. Like I said, Lake County Workforce, I don't know how many other counties have these types of connections. You'd have to find out through your county. But Lake County Workforce is a divisionary part of the unemployment office in Lake County. They exist to train new, to train people in new areas of work. So to make those connections, that's kind of where you have to start is who's in your county, where are the tax dollars rolling in, uh, and how can you and how can you pipe into that or feed into that. So I'm going to go off on one more segue that I want to talk about because I know that we're, we're kind of running short on time. Uh, another initiative that Sue and I started in COVID totally put a, put a bomb in this, but it's, it, it's, it's uh, kind of off the sideline is that uh, we want to get our name out there, the tech campus. We want to get all of these different uh, independent shops that are part of this networking group out there. Uh, we partnered with the local recycling yard, meaning what we would call a junkyard back in the day. Um, and uh, we got a very viable vehicle. It was a 2011 Equinox with a bad engine. Uh, my program rebuilt the engine. Uh, we've partnered with Auto Wears Auto Parts. They supplied all the parts. They, re- they remanufactured the cylinder head. We have this vehicle that is a fully viable, up and running, nice, run, nice everyday vehicle. It's actually currently in our uh, collision repair shop. They're gonna, they're doing some fancy stripes and some some wild paint job on it. Uh, Waukegan Tire is gonna be donating wheels and tires for it, and it is going to be premiered or showcased at the Tech Campus. At every, it's gonna move from shop to shop to shop. And it is going to be showcased at the large at Lake County's largest auto show and raffled off. And it's all done in the name of charity for an organization called Mother's Trust. Mother's Trust is an organization in Lake County that helps uh, uh, under underprivileged individuals that have a hard time uh, making ends meet. They help a lot of our students uh, covering school fees, sports fees, uniforms, 
all these kinds of things. So it's our way to give that money back to Mother's Trust to feed that pipeline of money back in, but also to get the tech campus's name out there, to get all of these other networking groups out there uh, and to showcase this car at the largest auto at the largest auto show in Lake County. Wow. That's that's like impactful stuff. That is that is great stuff. I, I absolutely love that. And thanks for going into to detail with that, Jack. I, I think that's that whole ecosystem is so important that we're, we're and we talk about that part too, where it's we've got to help each other out. This isn't just one thing, like one person fixing the industry or helping the industry. It's it takes all of us. And that's uh hearing that is so encouraging, you know, from from the industry standpoint in general. Sue. So, Talk to me a little bit about that paperwork side. What what was it? How how hard was it? I think that would be something you know you get a lot of credit for because or you should get a lot of credit for because that's that's a really easy spot to drop the ball, right? Right, right. The paperwork is daunting. Um, I had a really really good um, teacher to you know kind of walk me through the first phase of that. Um, so I would pay my intern and then I'd have to, every month, I'd have to do the necessary paperwork to get reimbursed for my intern, um, for whatever I paid him out. I also, because he got this, this grant, I gave him a tool grant. So what I did was, um, I I bought him a thousand dollars worth of tools and I said, okay, these tools are mine. I want you to go out there. Um, first of all, figure out what kind of starter tools you need. So you're going to go out there, you're going to work on cars, figure out what you need. I will order the tools. You will use the tools for the thousand hours. And then when your thousand hours is over and you've satisfied your internship, those tools become yours. So I think it's a way for us to kind of help that starter, uh, you know, tech to get some starter tools and to understand the value of what those tools are. So not only are in in this program, are we starting them off with a kind of like a career path? Um, We're giving them a paid internship. We're giving them 32 hours worth of college credit in the automotive, um, you know, department. Um, We're giving, we're giving them opportunity to see what it is. And then we can take them and move them forward. Like, like my little, you know, my Lewis who left me, um, you know, they just flourish with it. So it's, it's an opportunity. It starts off with 10 hours. And I, I just, I think every shop out there should look at it as it's just 10 hours and it could be something much bigger than you could ever imagine with that start of that 10 hours. And you get the ball rolling, right? Like, I think that's the, the hardest part is, and I see this a lot with shops where they'll take an intern for one year and then they don't for the next four years. And then, you know, instead of starting a program where you're doing something like this, where I just, I see so much value in it. And I think when, when shop owners and managers sit down and figure out a way to do this, like you did, um, I, I think that's the stuff that makes an impact. That's the stuff that in the grand scheme of things, you, even if that individual is no longer with you, hopefully he's still in the industry, right? Like he's, he's still, you know, fulfilling a role and being able to, uh, you know, add uh, to, to the industry in general. And well, the more, oh, go ahead, Sue. 
what actually ends up happening is if the, if the student d- decides he does not want to be part of this industry, he ends up being one of your customers right? because he came from a neighboring school. So you have to understand there's other benefits by bringing that, that student into your shop. Yeah. And that's, I think when, when we, when we look at this and, and really kind of trying to, to point out things that people can take home with them and take back into their own shops, I think that's a, that's an important piece to understand. And, and Jack, I think you led with it in terms of trying to do it for more than just the immediate ROI. And, and that's something I think as an industry, we've kind of got to get our hands around. We can't just expect for this thing to change overnight and that you're all of a sudden going to be able to, you know, take that high school kid and put them into your shop full time and expect that, you know, that person to be producing hours and, and then come out and within the first year or two be producing even more hours. And it, it takes time and it takes effort and it's not, it's not something that happens immediately. And, and uh, I, I sure hope that we, we are able to land that message home with industry because that is something that we've just got to do a better job at. And, and maybe those programs like Sue talked about, if you're looking in your area for, for other opportunities like that, that can take some pressure off of having that person need to produce right away. You know, if you're, if you're not, if it's not coming all coming directly out of your own pocketbook, it might make it a little bit easier to, to give that person the time they need to mature and, and be able to uh, become a true professional. Jack, it looked like you had something to say there. Yeah, I want to, I want to, because I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I want to end with where we're going because we're not done yet. So this is, this is kind of just the beginning. Love it. Um, so we are starting to look now at, uh, so, so nationwide, there's this model that's coming out and it's called, it's called the ed systems. Okay. And what they're looking at doing is instead of students graduating high school with just a gen ed diploma, they can have a specialization in automotive. They can have a specialization in collision repair. They can have a specialization in some of these areas of training. So there's requirements and there's a local high school to us in Gray's Lake that is piloting this. So we are working with that high school looking at, okay, how do we get the tech campus and how do we get Sue's networking group tied into this? Also, how do we get uh, like, you know, Sue's a small shop. A lot of these shops are small shops. Uh, You know, how do we get them the equipment to mirror the training that we have over at Tech Campus. So what Sue and I are actually meeting on tomorrow and what we're starting to work with is we're designing and writing a strategic plan for the growth of our internship program. So we're going to look at what do we need from the industry side? What do we need from the school side? What are our barriers? Because we feel like we've kind of hit this glass scene. Okay, great. We're taking in a dozen kids this year. We're taking in 10 kids. But you kind of plateau. No, no. I want... We want, not I, we want, we want collision repair in with us. We want the whole transportation cluster. We want a capstone where every single auto service two student, every single collision repair student is out at an internship at some point in their senior year of high school. And we want it spread out through the entire county. So how do we grow this thing larger? We grow it through getting financial support through the state and and at the federal level. So that comes from grants. So now we start looking at how do we get grants? We have to start looking at measurable outcomes and looking at the areas that we are focusing on and what our outcomes are going to be. What are we gonna do five years from now? So we're looking at our five-year plan. Our five-year plan is every student in the senior program, auto two, collision two, going out on these internships. 
how are we going to get there? So we have to look at what do we need for the shops? What do we need at the school level, et cetera? And we got to look at the curriculum that I'm running here compared with what uh, the equipment Sue has out at her place and the different internships out have out their place. There are grant dollars out there. You need to have a way to get them. And the way that you're going to get them is by having a strategic plan with all of your itemized listed items with measurable outcomes designed. And that's what we're working on. So we're not done yet. This is kind of the start of things, you know, uh, check back with us in a few years. And see well, what we're on. <laughs> I, I almost feel like we should do a progress call like every six months or like seven months or eight months or whatever, just to see, because it, it is, it's so exciting what you guys are doing. I mean, this is, this is incredible. This is really, really neat. But one question out of that, Jack is where do you even look for grants? Well, uh, under a rock. <laughs> uh, so you have to be partnered up with the right people. Okay. Uh, so you have to find out in your county, okay, somebody in your county runs the educational grants uh, for CTE. It's called Perkins Grants. Okay. And that's for the education side of things. Now for small businesses, things like that, that's going to go through your local government. That's going to go through your townships. That's going to go through your county. Uh, on our end with the Perkins grants, uh, fortunate for us, uh, since we are the CTE center of Lake County, every single Perkins dollar in this county run is hubbed through this building. Wow. So we have a person that that, that, is, that is about 50% of their full-time job is writing grants to fund these programs and fund these buildings. And then they also disperse funds out to all of the other schools because every single school, whether you know it or not, teaches something in CTE. Right. Whether it's Project Lead the Way, whether it's culinary arts, your foods classes, those are all CTE classes on a, on a micro level. Right. Uh, but all of that is funded differently than your traditional math, English, science, et cetera. Um, so you really have to get tied into uh, your county and into those networks. And it's exactly kind of what Sue's doing. She kind of reminds me of this kind of this mole that's going around and she's just kind of sticking her nose in places and, <laughs> and digging to find what kind of information she can find. But, you know, it, it's amazing what you can turn up. Uh, so with us having the grant funding on the one end, now what she's looking to do for the business end, that's got to come from the local legislators, which she's, that's on her, on her to-do list. Right? And we kind of, we, we partner up together uh, to figure out how we're going to achieve this. So I'm working with the director of um, small business and, and development. Um, he writes a lot of grants and stuff. I was on a, a grant committee with him for uh, the COVID-19 grant. I'm also working with the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic, uh, Economic Opportunity and, um, you know, we're also looking at, uh, you know, Lake County partners. So I'm working on the business end of it. He's working on the education end of it. And then we meet in the middle and we work together to get this done, which I think we're, we're going to do it. I, I agree with you. And to me, this is what it's all about. Like the, seeing industry and education working together and, and, you know, even with Jack talking about the, the five-year plan and having that plan and the fact that you're even bringing Sue into that conversation, right? Like it's, I, I encourage educators to open your doors to that level because that from both what Sue's doing and Jack are doing, when both sides know what each other are doing and you're, you're doing it for a grander plan, it just feels like stuff gets done then. And I, you know, I, I work with plenty of different schools and, and areas where 
you know, we talk about it and then nothing ever gets done. And you guys are, you guys are walking the walk. So I applaud both of you for what you're doing. I, uh, I do hope we, we get you back on for an update uh, a few months down the road here and, and keep the discussion going. And, and uh, I, I absolutely love what both of you are doing. And I, I, I just can't say that enough. I, I, I really, really uh, enjoyed this conversation. That hour went incredibly fast. Uh, and so I, I don't even think we got to everything we wanted to get to in this podcast, but I, uh, I do hope that you'll, you'll both come back on and, and, uh, we can revisit this again, because I, I think this is an ongoing conversation that we, uh, a lot of people are going to take some things out of this and, and hopefully really put them into action in, in their own shops and schools. So, uh, thank you both of you for being on, uh, any last words before, uh, before you're off? No, it's. It's been a great ride. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I walked into that tech campus and um, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward because it's, it's going to be a good thing. Well, we've, I mean, I've definitely, you know, being here for over a decade prior to this and, and just seeing kind of how things are done. Uh, you know, the partnerships are important. I can't do it myself. You were talking about, uh, you had mentioned about how uh, me, including Sue in this five-year plan, 50% of the five-year plan is hers you know, and 50% of the five-year plan is mine because, uh, and, 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 and they merge yeah. because I can only do so much on the education side and she can only do so much on the business side. I can't write the business side of the plan and she can't really write the education side of the plan. We can collaborate on it, uh, but, you know, half the plan's hers and half the plan's mine. Uh, and it's having the right minds together and the people that are willing to take the time to think and collaborate and think outside of the box and, I don't know, find the direction we're going, so... Well, you guys got me all sorts of fired up after this. This is uh, that, <laughs> this is good. Great. Hopefully, I'll be able to come down and visit you guys at some point. Uh, you, yeah. you aren't you aren't too far down the road from me, uh, and uh, I, I'd love to see what you guys are doing up front and, and center. And uh, I well, just, we uh, have, and just to let just to let you know, uh, we have a, a couple a couple few events uh, annually. Uh, we have an open house at the tech campus, but more specifically. Uh, in the fall, we typically have, uh, it's called a Celebration of Partners Day, where all of every single business and industry partner is in this building. They have a big lunch and it's usually a couple hundred people. Uh, that will be a fantastic time to come and, and, and see what it is we're doing. There's guest speakers. Sue spoke at that one year, did a very good job. Um, and uh, it, it's, you know, there, there's a lot going on. Uh, of course, you know, COVID threw a wrench in that like it did everything else. But uh, I imagine the fall that'll be happening again, so. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, I applaud both of you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to the next time we have you on. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.